Welcome to Stories That Shape Us. My name is Joanna Daniel. Stories That Shape Us is a daily podcast where I share my perspective on how different experiences influence our view of self, how we interact with others, and how we show up in the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stories That Shape Us. My name is Joanna Daniel. We've been interviewing authors from the Come See a Man series throughout this week last week we started and we we just want to thank you so much for watching for listening for your comments and your feedback your special messages we really appreciate all of it we've invited someone back um to talk some more about their come see a man moment some of the reasons why they needed him and how they see him working in their lives and who is this man that we're talking about so i want you to help me again to welcome joyce to the stories that shape us podcast. Welcome again, Joyce, to the stories that shape us podcast. We we we, I'm I'm sure this is probably not going to be your last time here again. <laughs> I think you're gonna be you're going to be um a podcast favorite. So thank you for coming back. And this time we're going to talk about your come see a man moment. You want to tell us like what was that like? Um, before before you tell us what that moment was, we were just talking about sometimes people leave the Lord, people leave the church, people leave Christianity, even though they've not left the Lord, the Lord has not left their hearts, but they don't worship with people anymore. And we know that sometimes the reasons are valid, the pain that they experience, the challenges that they experience at church the place that is supposed to be loving and kind and compassionate and it's devoid of compassion and care. What made you, what made you stick around and was your come see a man moment happen before or after all of the challenges that you experienced? Well, for me, it's definitely after. Mm. Suppose before there was a whole lot of things that it happened and disappointment, bitterness mm-hmm. was the biggest one. And you know, when you've been there and I was one of those active in church as well. And then when things happen and then you feel like you're invisible, it does take a toll. Mm-hmm. It does. It's, it's this heaviness every time you come in and you're looking around and you're wondering, are you sure you can't see me? Are you sure you can't read through me? Are you sure you can see I've changed? You've changed. Nobody sees the change. Nobody sees it. Yeah. Is that what you mean by invisible? Because you're hurting, but nobody can see that you're hurting. Nobody asks. Nobody follows up. Nobody check in. Is that what you mean? Yes, that. And sometimes... I don't know. Um, I'd I'd feel, especially those that were close to me or some people that I tried to talk to, Mm. I really felt like they didn't want to know. Right. And right now, some know, like, oh, this is what you were through. But it's kind of like, okay, that's it. Don't tell us no more. We don't want to know. Really? So even though they know now, they still don't want to know? There are those that still don't want to know. Hmm. And also the narrative is 
um, well, you can't, you must have not been a good enough Christian, weren't you? Because if you're a good enough Christian, you wouldn't have to always just have to open your mouth and say things. A good Christian doesn't go about telling people their business, especially oh. when it's private. Oh wow! So what do what does a good Christian do in their in their world? What what do they do? You sit so alone. You hash it. You know, I mean that that's exactly what we we were just talking about because when you when you when you bear it alone, nobody can bear it alone, and that's why people leave because if the if they if you are shamed for sharing, then that's not the space that you want to be in. Not at all, not at all. Because um, I'm sure I resonate with a whole lot of people that mm. you want to be heard. Mm. And part of church is, uh, it's like a hospital, isn't it? Should be. Yeah, you need to find healing. You need to find that embrace. You need to find uh, people who hold your hand and like, let's work with you. You know, That's what's it. happening? Yeah. Because... For me, I felt like this is what I also do to other people. That's my understanding. Not to say uh, I'm good enough, but um, mm. the whole thing, uh, the whole meaning and reason behind being a Christian is for us to be like a family. Mm. Mm -hmm. We are there for each other to support each other. That's the village, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the family. Yeah. And family is the right word to say. And church is the people, not the building. That's, That's the it. That's, yeah. it. That's it. We we make up the church. We do. And and families. I mean, we have dysfunctional families, isn't it? But we don't expect church to be dysfunctional. But no. what we expect is to be seen, to be heard, to be held, to be loved, to be cared for. That's what we expect. But often, a lot of in a in too many cases, that's not what we get. No, not at all. And um. I find also there's a lot of hypocrisy going on. Mm. Yeah. I think this is where most people, especially when you're not really attached there, where most people drop out. When you're not attached. Because last time we spoke, you talk about belonging and how important that is to someone, why they would stay silent, they would endure the pain and they would not speak because that sense of belonging is important. And so you're saying... People drop out sometimes because they're not connected to anyone. Yes, there's that as well. So for me, that would have been the first experience that I felt. Mm -hmm. Then I changed that I changed my my family, I would say. <laughs> yeah. My family because the first was um due to another kind of trauma that I experienced. Right. So I thought, okay. I myself am glued. I know what I want and why I am here. Mm -hmm. No matter what happens, no matter what discourages me, I'm going to continue. Maybe if I find a new environment, mm -hmm. that would work. Mm -hmm. so, Let me see if I find belonging over exactly, here. Exactly. But what I was met up with at the new place was, you know, this church membership thing. Why did you leave your last church? where is your name and them kind of thing they want to go in there but we are not really at that level where we've connected again for me to be able to open up and let you know because right. I also know can I trust you yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so and trust takes time to build doesn't it 
It is. Yeah. So you didn't find belonging in the new place either? No. And I think this is uh, where everything unraveled for me as well. Mm -hmm. Considering I was now away from my other friends mm -hmm. and all alone in this new environment, miles away from mm. this was I was about three 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 hours away from where I normally uh, I was before sorry so no when I got to this place and it's a new life I've got a new title now I'm starting a new milestone in my life mm -hmm. so you'd be expecting to find that guidance and the people to support you through it yeah but that wasn't that wasn't there that wasn't there mm. being invisible isn't it, it it's not a nice feeling at all i i call it living on the edges i don't you know like i'm on the edge i'm not a part of any particular group i don't belong to any any group or clique i'm on the edge it makes it easier for me to see other people that are on the edge so the person that sits on their own at lunch or the person that is standing on their own two weeks in a row, then I know that mm, we need to go talk to that person. So sometimes if it's a man, I'll send my husband to go talk to them. If it's a young person, I'll send one of my children, say, go and talk to that person. They're on their own. Um, and sometimes I go. Not easy for the introvert in me to go, but I can see the people on the edge because I don't belong anywhere. I don't, I don't belong to any particular group. I think this is my other issue as well. I'm quite introverted and reserved. Until yeah. you get to know me, the only time that I've been forced to really be out there is because I have children that are extroverts. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Our extrovert so children help that us. Yeah. Yeah, that helped me very yes. much. So, so yeah. there was no way I was going to bring them in my space and like keep with me because they like to be out there. Yes. So I'm forced to be out there and pretend like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> right there. Our children, our my husband and children, they, they're the ones that save me in that respect but I, you know there are times when it can be lonely not being a part of a group or feeling like you belong to one but I think it's also it's also not so bad because you get to see people who also don't belong to one and you can pull them in or direct them to to places I can't tell you how many times we've had to we've had to do that in different places because when you're a part of a group and you're in your little group you you will miss you can miss people that are that are on the edges and people need you know for those who are listening and you're a part of a group and you've never ever thought about looking outside or you know think about maybe is there somebody that I need to look around I'm going to invite you those who listen to this podcast and you're Christians and you go to church wherever you go to church wherever you worship look for people who are not a part of a group look for the person who at the end of service stands on the edge Look for the person who disappears after the first, the last song. Stand at the door and wait for them. You know, they are waiting for you. They're waiting for somebody to see them. Look for the person who seem don't belong. They sit on their own at lunchtime or when there's any gathering, they're on the edges of it. Look for them. They, they need you. So tell us about your come see a man moment, Joyce. Even though you're going to church, there's bitterness that you you leave one place, you, you're invisible. How did you manage to hold on to Christ while all of that was happening? Well, for me, I think um, from a very young age, I'd say, um, uh, being brought up by my grandmother who was always praying 
I observed her praying through things, through whatever else. That's the only thing that I ever knew how to do. So every time I first uh, uh, a trial, whatever else obstacle in my life, that's the only thing that I've ever known to do. You pray for it. You pray for a sweet. You pray for food. Don't eat be before you do that. Don't go shopping for your clothes before you pray for wisdom. So this has kind of been my life. Though, um, yes, yeah, sometimes I take it like, not now, I used to take it lightly, but my experience knowing when I was in my pit in, in the darkest moments and I would pray and things happen. For me, there was that reassurance that there is one constant in my life that I can count on. I would liken myself to, to being like a sheep, <laughs> a oh. sheep. I've, I've said that before and I always use that if you remember, Joanna. Like I liken myself to a sheep that has been set on, on the seas. And you know, when the currents all there and the sea is rolling and whatever else, but there's no sailor in it. Mm. And then all the mm. bother the ship, the sailor gone, uh, the tone and whatever else is happening. And the only thing that's just there is a lighthouse. Mm -hmm. and mm. then, ah, I remember. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you remember, I always yes, use that yes, this has always been something that's been stuck in my mind. Like, Joy, you are that lonesome sheep on there. Mm. If you lose focus on that lighthouse, you are drowned. Oh. So, so you I kept your like, eyes. You kept your eyes on the lighthouse. Exactly. That's the only thing that has seen me through. Because whenever I prayed, I saw results. I've been through, like, in the circumstances that I've said in the other episode where it, it came to a point where I was in debt. I was left in debt. I was homeless. Two children, a little one in nappies. And I'm thinking, how am I ever going to make it out? Hmm. Winding it up before that, I was praying. And I'm saying, God, I've tried three times already to leave this. But I don't know how I need the strength. I don't even know if I'm doing the right things. Mm. or asking for the right thing if I leave how am I going to sustain the children mm. how am I even going to be able to go to work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you understand I've got skills I've got that but I don't know the way forward and nobody is ever going to come and rescue me out of this mm. it's when I have children for me really that I realize like I need to make a plan here you need to make a what legacy am I going to leave for my children? Because I really saw I was going down in the deep and it was really dark. It was dark. It was really dark. There were times that I'll be scared to sleep because I think maybe when I go to sleep, I'm never going to wake up. Maybe I'll be gone in my sleep. And I knew that was depression right there. That was how dark it was. Exactly. But I told myself, God, if you were there, mm -hmm. I need a way out and I need a dignified way out of this. Whoa. This is exactly what I prayed for. And I'll tell you, it was a spontaneous split. I never said, this is what I'm going to do. It just happened. But I realized when it happened, like, oh, this is what I prayed for, a way out. A dignified way out for me to leave. But, because, yeah, but that is just how it so happened. So in that pit again and thinking, okay, I'm here now. I'm homeless, what am I gonna do? I remember with about, it was the last week I had to move cause I'd already given like notice to leave. And I'm thinking, where am I taking the children? 
where am I taking the children? I prayed like I've never done before. And I said, God, if you are the God that I've always worshipped and you are the God that's always made a way for me up to this point, you are the one in that maternity room through all the two C-sections that I've had with whatever complications that I had with these children. And you said you gifted me these children. These children can never see me on the street. You are my supply and I need a miracle. I remember fasting that week and praying alone. And this is something that I couldn't share with nobody else because it was shameful. Mm-hmm. How is that smart girl, intelligent girl that people have known grown up to be this? I couldn't share because nobody was there. I didn't trust nobody. Mm. I'd build the walls anyway because I didn't trust nobody. I felt like everybody had felt me, even though I tried to reach out, it didn't work. So two days in it and I'm thinking, okay, two days to go. What am I going to do? I started packing my things. And I remember my son trying to help me move this large settee. And he was like, mommy, can I help you? And I says, no, you can't. And he came and said, he was eight. And he says, mom, you are the one who always teaches us to pray. I've watched you pray. Can I help you move that city? And I says, no, if you break any part of your limbs, do you know your mom can go to prison? That's exactly what I said. And he was like, mom, do you remember Jesus gave David strength to kill a lion? Wow. Okay, give strength too. I looked at him and I'm thinking, okay, you're going to give up. Come, let's do it. <laughs> he tried, he tried. And I was like, yeah, that's it, you go. And then he was like, no, no, no. Jesus used to have this thing like, Jesus will put things in my mind, mommy. Jesus will put things in my mind. And I was like, yeah, what is Jesus put in your mind now? He was like, can't you dismantle this into pieces? I was like, okay. When I turned it around and I'm thinking, oh yeah, actually can do that. So even with those little things and having my boys being used to strengthen me, I've seen Jesus in all the way. Yes, two days to go, somebody rang me. It was like, I put my advert on Gumtree and then this landlord was like, right you don't have money right and I says no uh what's your circumstances like and I explain it's like how do you have a guarantor and I says I said I've got no family didn't you hear that right that's exactly how I said it it was like okay I'll call you after an hour after an hour you rang back and was like are you able to do a viewing today and I says yeah but remember I don't have money (laughs) (laughs) it was like yeah don't worry this is the address Wow. And then you go. Wow. Actually, the uncle, I didn't know. So I went, I viewed this house, and I remember thinking, I'm not going to live in that shack, am I? But I was like, thinking, like, what options do I have? As long as I have my privacy, I will have it. So from then on, I saw God, miracle after miracle, he provided. When I was at work, I was working... um, this job but because of the childcare circumstances I couldn't really be there it was my first time also having to rely on child minders mm-hmm. and having somebody tell me like yeah all alone I'm not gonna help you with the children because this is what you chose for yourself oh wow yeah. they told so you I- that we're not helping you because you chose to leave not that yeah. we're glad that you're safe um 
and we're going to support you. No, we're gonna we're gonna punish you because you chose to leave. That was more of what it was. There was punishment for choosing that. Mm -hmm. So that's what followed me after that. Mm -hmm. Okay, you do it yourself. So I was literally like on my own. But again, that same week again, and I'm thinking, I don't have childcare. I prayed again. I remember it so well. And I went on this website looking for registered child. I didn't know how to go about with this. I had a two-year-old in nappies and an eight-year-old. And I'm thinking, God, do it again. Mm. Exactly. My prayer all the time, mm. do it again, God. Mm. And I was seeing this woman. I'm thinking, let me set up an appointment only to find that was a perfect match for both my children. And even going to work, it was about a 10-minute train ride. Yeah. To and again, I'm thinking, I'm sorry, I know I've booked Shelfminder, but I don't have money to pay you. And I was like, don't you know that uh, if you're a single parent, you're entitled to ABC and some help? And I'm thinking, how do you go about with that? They Another, you. Again, yes. Yeah, so it was miracle after miracle. But again, having to learn to live like you've never before and thinking now, all eyes are going to be on me. Yeah. What are people going to say? What are people going to say? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it was really sinking me down and thinking, working 12-hour night shifts back to back, coming home, picking the children, being home at 12 in the afternoon, right? And trying to sleep. And this little one is pulling up my eyelids and telling me, mommy, wakey, wakey, I want to play. What do you do? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Waking up at 4.30 again, trying to sort the children out. It was tiring. And I'm praying, God, do it again. So it was like that for years. And I'm talking like that's 2017, 2018, up until now. That's my prayer that I always say, because I know he's done it. So I have this friendship. Jesus, you have I some see. evidence so he gave you evidence so every Actually, time you you come to a place you can say can you do that again for me that do, it a, yes, do it again because yeah. i know do it again so yeah but within that because it's a change of life and now because of having to work these extra long night shifts and no rest it was taking a toll on my body i bet so those symptoms again were starting to show flare. And I had all these aggravated symptoms coming up and I'm thinking, God, mm. for how for how long? Mm. How long am I going to do this? And then do it again and silence. God, do it again. Silence. Are you there, God? Mm. Silence. Mm. And I'm thinking, that's it for me. You are not there. You don't care. I can't be at this age after what I've been through. I've gone to college. I've gone to uni. I've done all this for myself. And I feel like I'm a laughingstock at this moment in time. Mm. Not doing nothing for me. So I was really starting to sleep. But I'd had one constant person that always, always checked on me. No matter how many times I changed my phone number, she always had a way to get to me. So I'll say for me, what helped and my come see a moment is, you know, finding the right tools because you have that glimmer of hope. Yes. It gave me that glimmer of hope, even though I knew I was down there and I couldn't talk even to her. And I started thinking, but I I'd lost trust in people, I'd say, because all the people that I've always been there for had let me down as well. Right. 
right. community who was supposed to be there for my children. Yes. Let me down, considering even what started happening there. There was so much bullying going on. Yeah. And it was, I'm in a war zone and, you know, you're being attacked left, right and say, you are this, you have got levels, you've got that. You're not good enough. This is what I had. You're not good enough. You are like this, you know, you know, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then thinking, how am I ever going to come out of this? Mm. But in the pit, I just remembered, God, I know <laughs> you're my only hope, but I really need you now. I can't feel you right now. But for me, what also saw me through was having a playlist. Because yes. the word that I couldn't even pray. So I would think maybe because I'm not praying enough. This is the conditioning that would also have because you listen to those words that people say to you because you're not a good enough Christian. That's why things are happening to you. You're not praying enough, but music saw me through. And then some music would actually speak life to me, I'd say. So listening to the music and actually thinking, hmm, there's one song I like, Sissy Winans, I'm going to war. I was like, mm. right, that's me done. Mm. It's war time. I mm. even remember the day and my sign was like, wow, you're going to battle. <laughs> How are you going to battle? I was like, watch me. You know, it was like, I'm going to start again. I'm starting mm. again. Nobody's going to put me down. I'm here. I'm now. And looking at the children, I'm thinking this is not going to be my legacy. I'm not a quitter. I was never born to be a quitter. At this point in my life, I've fought so many battles already. So what music gave you your fight back? Exactly what is there to lose right now what is there to lose so I just started digging started digging I started digging looking on there because I'm I'm good at researching you know I've got a research background as well and looking for tools and whatever else that I I, I knew little about so learning more about it and one consistent thing as well that I used to do was <laughs> I knew you from long back, if you remember. And I sent you a friend request and you rejected it. <laughs> and I was like, what's it doing, man? Whenever you used to talk, but yeah. when I had my baby welcome, there's something that you said when you came. Your children were really young. And then you say to me, I better go. I need to put the children to sleep. That really put me off. And I'm thinking, really? You're leaving my function to put your children to sleep. I, I think I've, I've spoken to you about it, but yes. it stuck with me. And the lady that was leading my baby welcome, that's for the for my first son, spoke about routines. And then I thought, would that be what she's trying to do? So she suggested I buy this book on routines. So that's the other thing that has helped me also in my parenting. Like I've kept my children on certain routines. So when they're there and they're busy doing something, I'm trying to research and have that little time that I have. Mm -hmm. So I joined like healing circle groups. I joined everything. I bought courses. I, I just went out there and I used to work night shifts as well at the time. Yeah. So I put all my time to studying. And that's when I realized, huh, there's something called trauma. I'm suffering from trauma. That's yeah. what it is. You name. You were able to name. Yes, yeah. so I started on. being able to name things that I was going through and understanding, like joy. Mm. This is where it's, this is mm. where you started from, and this is 
how you've been. Mm. So I realized I had certain curtains mm. that I had to break. And I'm thinking, no, my children are going to be trendsetters. They're not taking this on. My children are going to be set apart and I am going to be there. I will stand up and fight for them. You went to war. You went I to went to war. war. <laughs> so I went to war and being at war, praying again, this is where I found like this man is real. I can't see him. I can so you, feel him. You came back. You came back full circle almost when you're like, first is do it again, do it again. But you came to this period when there was silence yeah and he wasn't doing it as he used to yeah once it was do it again it was like that's yours (laughs) this is mine but that's yours that's how it is because god you said if i do your work you would do mine yeah i've done my part you do Mm. yours Mm. so it's Mm. more like challenging god like Mm. you told Mm. me so i went into claiming promises as well yeah make good on the word that you've given me so yeah. I'll see it through. If the promise has a condition, I'll yeah. see it through. And yeah. then I'll wait and watch and say, God, you haven't done your part. Yeah. And the results, it just kind of motivated me to keep on and on yeah. and on. But yeah. even I realized at that time, because I'd also already stopped going to church, but not like I was worshiping at home. Mm-hmm. And though yes, I used to tell people I'm at Wolverhampton, I'm at this church, I'm at that. But I knew like this is not the time because I knew people are waiting for answers, and I didn't want to be questioned. Um, so I, yeah, but I was like in my own circle, would have our own worship at home with the children, um, keep the Sabbath and whatever else that I was doing at home because there were things that had happened prior to the marriage that made me cut off. So yeah. I was still working, working with those things. I, I write about that. There's a part. In, in Come See a Man. It's in yeah. the Come See a Man devotional. If you want to learn more about Joyce's story, she's yeah. written in the com- extensively in the Come See a Man devotional. And, and uh, uh, let me just tell people about the conference at this time. For the conference, Come See a Man, Joyce will be there. The 8th and 9th of April in Swansea, South Wales. We are, oh, registration's been open since December. Please don't miss out. We have availability still. The link to register will be below this video. Or you can contact Joyce or myself. Joyce have details and we will get you registered. We're opening up registration for families because we have workshops for men and mental health for um, children, you know, learning about anxiety and depression and healthy relationships. And just, we want the whole family to heal where where it's possible. If not, you come and get your healing. Exactly. This is the season for healing. (laughs) It's the season for healing. And, you know, like follow Joyce. I have this saying, if you want healing, you must pursue it. And you just fought for it you're like what is going on here let me on let me understand what's going on in my life and you with the 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 research that you did led you to the to trauma like oh so this is what it is I suppose did that give you then a template to say okay so this is because this is what it is this is what I need to do in order to be okay yes exactly um I had to follow it through and um I had to own my story first. Own your story. There were parts of my story that I felt 
I didn't want uh, <laughs> associated with, mm. but I realized like I never went to ask for them things. Mm. And a lot of people that are stuck in trauma blame themselves for things they had absolutely no um, control over as well. Absolutely no control. I'll say for myself, I'll just speak on this um, and be vulnerable, but um, I'm just hoping it to speak to somebody out there. Mm. A lot, especially like now when I speak to women and I always say, you know, know your patterns because sometimes certain traumas set you up for certain patterns of thinking yes. and ways of living as well. Absolutely. I the major trauma that happened to me before had set me up to pick up a person that was not matched enough for me wow. what i that is at the time i was going through trauma i never gave myself time to heal mm. so more like i need to bury my head under the sand and not think about this horrible thing that's happened to me because when it happened it was like this ruined my life mm -hmm. i went to ask for that and mm. then when i trying to discuss that with somebody in authority in mm. church then mm. you discover something else and I'm thinking ah you're part of that so it really put me down and um you're, you're kind of the same exactly so I kind of like everybody is the same the would you think what, what do you mean like they spot your vulnerability and they wanted to take advantage of that vulnerability it was, it was, uh, I, I did feel that way. It was mm -hmm. that kind of like, um, I'll say people, perpetrators, mm. know their targets, they study their targets. It's one thing that I would say. So it was yeah. that kind of situation that um, because it's in church, you kind of put your head down because you think everybody is safe. I'd never been in a situation whereby somebody yes. in had, uh, had really like uh, not conducted themselves in that manner. Mm -hmm. Maybe me being naive and also young at the moment. Like I said, I came in this country where I was it's, about. It's not young and naive, Joyce. You know, last night I did a training for a, a ministry and and it was on domestic abuse, not domestic abuse, but abuse awareness. And when I talked about grooming, they didn't know that. Oh, so so you mean the things that I've been seeing? That's what it is. We, people don't know, Joyce. Yeah, that's, that's that's thing as well. Like people, people don't know. Yes, and and this is why we do this, empowering people so they know. And so they, they and, know. So they know that this is what it looks like, and and, and run. So what happens is when some traumas happen to you, you kind of have that as a benchmark. Like oh oh, maybe this is just what everybody is. If somebody's in church like this. This is where I compromise and I say, if church is like this, well, then I'll be safe with somebody who's not associated with it anyway. Yeah, yeah. And for a person like me and people that knew me, that even came as a surprise as well. But yeah. it was yeah. at the time being considering my vulnerability at the time. Yeah. Yes. So this set me in a certain way. So I, looking back, if I had given myself, if I had the tools, I'd say, like I know now, it's 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 a, it would have been a different situation. So yeah. I speak for like um who are going through trauma as well. Like no matter what trauma it is, it can actually distort your way of 
uh, making decisions as well. I Absolutely. had it does. Yeah, I had all this pain and I'm thinking, okay, when I'm such an, this is a funny thing. Like my friends knew, I used to be told like, I never used to like dating. And people used to think like, are you going to be a nun? <laughs> and I was like, no, in the near future, maybe after 30, I'll think about that. For now, it's me time. But because of the trauma, it kind of fast forwarded me because I thought it cut my life. Hmm. So I was like, okay, now whatever it is and whatever was happening in there. And then you meet somebody and you think, oh, this one's perfect for me. This one's a healer. This is how it came across to me because there was all sorts of everything that you'd always desire and whatever else. But yeah, yeah, it set me in that way. So I didn't look at the red flags and properly like magnify them and see them for what did you, it is. Did you know there were red flags at the time or is it now looking back, you go, ah, oh, that was a red flag or did you didn't know about red flags then, did you? I didn't know about red mm. flags. But what it was, was people pleasing. Yeah, because you said certain certain experiences that you've had and patterns that you had set you up to do the same thing in all your relationships. And and that's what we do, isn't it? We, yeah. We I have certain ways of relating that we just use. And when you're used to people pleasing, then you do it. Certain people will love that because they they it feeds their ego and exactly because mm. you'll be a kind of person like um oh joy can do it and my house especially like sabbath always open to people for lunch but looking at it now i don't think i was opening my house because i, I enjoyed having people for lunch that's just how it is i'm an introvert yeah. <laughs> <Don't forget. laughs> but we do have people at our house introverts right but not yeah. not not a lot of people not all the time I small doses yeah, yeah 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 this is how it is so for me it was that kind of people pleasing in that way like you know when people don't understand you especially like I think the most uh mis misrepresented people are um, introverts because I think mm. uh, we are labeled in a certain way in my culture being an introvert you have so many negative levels you don't like people you uh, are the you are that right. you are the so you'd be trying to also trying to fit in that space and trying to show like, no, I'm not really like that. Okay. Right. So you can't, be you can't be true to who you are. No, you can't be true to who you are because you're trying to please people. Yeah. All these brownie points out of it, but it never works. Anyway. Don't, you know, it, for those who are listening, don't, you can't please people. People change. You're never going to. So try to get help with being comfortable with who you are. And the people who are for you, who will accept and love you just as you are, they're around, they'll come along. But the ones now, if they can't, they're not the right people for you. No, not at all. Not at all. Because you need to shine and be authentic to yourself, to the world. When you're not authentic, you're just living a lie at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah. And especially when you have children, this is my mm. other out mm. also out is because children learn to connect with others by observing how you connect with others. You. So this was a big one for me. Looking at my children, I'm thinking, why is he behaving like that? That is me there. You know, like mini yous running about and I'm thinking, yes. I don't like, but then you think, where did they learn this from? Uh -huh. it's, 
it's me, it's me. Mm. So that challenged me. And I remember um, in this prayer group and I put a prayer out and I says, um, I have this challenge there and I'm having these issues. And this person was like, can I have your email address? And then I remember I forgot everything else apart from this part that said, I only had one child at the time that says, no matter what you're going through, always remember to let your child be with children his own age. If you don't feel like being out there, just go and sit on a park bench, park bench, let him roam around and be a child. That's one advice that I've always stuck by, like no matter how blue my day is, mm. and that always make me be out there because I know with how I was going through and what I was experiencing, that could have easily turned out into severe depression, if not worse. Because thoughts were children. Starting... Exactly. They gave you purpose and kept you. Purpose, yeah. They give you purpose and direction in life. Because I even remember the first time that I went to my GP and he gave me this uh, questionnaire there. I said, I'm not sleeping. I didn't know. <laughs> and I gave me this questionnaire then and I looked at it. I'd actually been listening to something about uh, depression medication at the time. And it was all in the in the narrative. And then when I went there and he gave me this and I looked at it and I'm like, is it trying to check me for depression? And I kid you not, everything that was there, when I know, like when they asked me, do you feel weepy? I'd say no. Do you feel this? I'd say no. He looked at me. And it was like, you came in here and you said A, B, C, D, but the way you feel this, I doubt you filled it correctly. Would you want some time and bring that? Would you want to take it home and bring it back? Think about it. And I said, no, I'm done. He knew that you did, he knew what you were doing. He knew what was happening. And then he was like, okay, then fine. He prescribed me some antidepressants. <laughs> and it was like, okay, after a week, let me know if you feel better. Mm. I went home and I looked at them and I'm thinking, this is not my life. Mm. I'm already on eight other prescription medication. This is the ninth one. No, thank you. Mm. It's not going to happen. So also that in my mind, I do not advise for people when they go to GPs and do what I did. No. I'm glad you said that because I was, going, I was going to say that because there's some people who you need help. Get exactly. The help that you need. Yeah. Exactly. I did try them, but then I was like, no. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, anyway, the other reason was I was already trying natural remedies for my other issues that I was having. Right. And I was seeing positive, um, positive outcomes from them. So I thought, okay, let me find a medication that has a, a herb that works the same as this, and then I'll see what my GP says. Okay. Last time I went to my GP, I was like, I can never face him again. I do not, I do not, I do not advise for anybody to do what I did. Because yeah. what after that could have really put me on a really bad spiral. But yeah. thank you as another come see a man moment for me there. Cause mm. I was set on the city. Like I said, I couldn't sleep. I was scared to go to bed. All the signs of depression were there. Bearing in mind, I knew already that I'd already had like postnatal deep. So I think it was an extension of that. Right. And I'm sitting and I'm praying and I'm thinking, I am not okay, but I don't know who to talk to. Mm. I am not okay. I don't know who to talk to. 
I went on the computer and I was searching my symptoms and I found something there. I'm not going to say it out in case somebody can go and because mm, mm, I'm mm, mm. here. I don't, yes. So I was led to something that I tried out there. It is then that I realized like, no, I need to change my life around. Mm. I need to change my life around. I'd actually look at myself in the mirror and looking at pictures of myself from before. And I was like, that is not the joy I used to be. I've mm. lost Mm -hmm. So looking there and I'm thinking, no, I'm not going this way. I need to save myself because nobody is going to come and save me. So I'll take it one day at a time. That's it. I, yes, owning my story, accepting this is what it is. I went on my healing journey. I would say my healing journey started when I started researching. I went online, uh, thank God for Eventbrite. I was searching for all keywords I could find, but I thought to myself, I'm not going to go to people that know me. So all the sessions I did were like Australia, USA, <laughs> and in the middle of the night, cause I couldn't sleep anyway. <laughs> so I'll be busy there in healing circles and I'll be going through all of these. When I find something new, I write my notes down, I go research it. I find courses on Udemy, and I go, I research on this and I'm thinking, okay. And finally, when you accepted my request and I was like, Joanna, have you forgotten me? Joanna's <laughs> <laughs> now a counselor. So I didn't say then, but I was following. And then I see another word on there and I'm thinking, oh, that word is there. Oh, you know, putting labels to things. So it really helped me there, you know, what to say. I think it's the Americans that say deconstructing things. Yeah. So breaking things down and trying to rebuild and make sense of things and the narrative. Because I had all these negative narratives that I built over there and the limited beliefs that I had in my mind. Yeah. And I said, no, that is not my story. Mm. So I had to go on the self-discovery, find myself again. And I'm thinking... This is who I am. What do I really want from my life from now on? Understanding that I have a purpose in life and what is that purpose that I have in life? So I went on to pursue that. And slowly, I started building myself up before I, I proper help. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll just say it was DIY. <laughs> the DIY. And, we talked about don't DIY your healing yesterday. But yes. I mean, you, you've been around for so long, Joyce, you, you've done so much work and I know that we could be, I think we've been here for a while. I don't even know how, how long we've been, we've been here. Joy and I can, can, um, talk about this for a while because I love hearing your journey and, um, just hearing how you took hold the understanding that the, the, the place of understanding and self-awareness that you, you had to grow to. The, hearing the acceptance that you settled in when you found what okay so this is what's going on for me so what do I need to do to get myself out of here um and just to see how you the courage that it took for you to to do that and for you to to get to where you are now continuing you just and that's what healing isn't it we do one layer at a time one layer at a time one layer at a time and I'm and I'm glad I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad you're in Wounds to Scars, and I'm glad that you're telling your story in the forms that you're telling it 
to help others. Get the Come See a Man devotional. We're going to put the link for the conference below this video so you can read. We're not going to tell them anything else, Joyce. So you can read the rest of some of her story. I keep telling her she needs to tell the rest of it and we'll, we'll let you know when that's, when, when that's happening. Thank you for coming again, Joyce, to talk to our Stories That Shape Us um, community. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Stories That Shape Us. I hope you'll join me on the next story. Thank you for listening to Stories That Shape Us with Joanna Daniel. To learn more about Wounds to Scars and the work that we do with adult survivors of childhood trauma and women who experience abuse, you can visit our website at woundstoscars.com.